I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Uh, you know, I want to thank people who have uh, who have stuck around and listened to this show over the years. Uh, I hear from many of you from time to time. I, I am well aware that the stuff that I talk about has not been talked about on conservative talk radio. So it's it's very different, very different. I, I know I probably lost a lot of people, uh, but for thirty years, conservative talk radio has tiptoed around some of the biggest issues. The ironic thing is, some of the things I started talking about back in 2017 are now talked about on conservative talk radio, particularly when it comes to things like the FBI, uh, the warfare state, the military-industrial complex, big pharma. These things have come out, but I, I appreciate people who have given me a chance to talk about these things and not abandon it because it was uncomfortable. I, I don't know I've ever actually said that, so I did want to say it. I appreciate people uh, who have supported the show, and hopefully you will continue to do so. I am now on the air from 9 to 10 o'clock on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and uh, I appreciate the people who are sticking around with me. I, I've got a fun little exercise to open the show with. Uh, I was watching a show on HBO. I guess it's called Max now. I, I, I don't know. I get the app. You know, I'm a, just a streaming subscriber. But there was a, a show on a, was it, a docudrama, I guess, about a real event that happened in Texas. Uh, it's called Love and Death. I'm not really here to talk about the show. It was, it was entertaining, something to watch. I get about an hour, hour and a half of television most nights to kind of unwind. Anyway, there's a, it's, a, it's a story about a suburban housewife. And, and she's... Implicated in a murder. Well, like I say, I don't, I don't want to necessarily give it away, but it's, it's, uh, it's no big secret to it. Anyway, <laughs> the reason I even bring it up, at one point she is brought into court. She's finally going to be tried for the crime, and she walks in. She looked like Hillary Clinton. She looked like Hillary Clinton walking into a courtroom to stand trial. And I got to tell you, it was there, there was something really nice about that. And I, I recommend it to everybody because it's the closest we're ever going to get to seeing Hillary Clinton being hauled in to a court to stand trial for their crimes. So you might want to check it out if you get a chance because we're never going to see the real thing. As Trump said after he was inaugurated, and ask about whether or not he's going to lock up Hillary Clinton. He said, ah, she's good people and she's been through enough already. So if you, <laughs> if you like me, still yearn for justice against uh, Hillary Clinton, then Love and Death, you can just, I, I'm not sure which episode it is, it's far down in the, uh, in the series, maybe 
second to last, something like that. You'll just get this one footage of about 20 seconds of this woman walking into court uh, with a look of terror on her face, and she looks like Hillary. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't want to do sh shows about what I've seen on television, but I, there are interesting things, too. I've also recently seen, it's been a couple of weeks since I've done a show, I saw a show called Sons of Sam on Netflix. For those of you who are familiar with The Son of Sam, this was a serial killer back in New York City in the late 70s, early 80s, somewhere in that. Uh, the, the story went that this guy, David Berkowitz, who was identified as the son of Sam, would walk up to a parked car. Oftentimes, couples that had parked on the side of the road were just hanging out before one of them got up and went to their apartment, uh, and he would just shoot them. And, and this terrorized New York City because there was just this rant. There was no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, there were some implications that if you had uh, moderate length brown hair, you were in trouble. So women were dying their hair. I mean, it was, it was quite a bit of hysteria uh, at the time. Uh, ultimately, they tried and convicted Sam Berkowitz uh, as the son of Sam. This show on Netflix is called Sons of Sam. And the reason being that it was this one reporter, this one investigator, this guy that had like an obsessive compulsive disorder uh, where he dug into the son of Sam story because it didn't make much sense to him. And what he discovered, what he discovered was that David Berkowitz was only a small part of what appeared to be a satanic cult. Now, in the end of this thing, it's a, it's a pretty in-depth series. We don't know exactly what happened, but I think without a shadow of a doubt, there were multiple shooters involved in the Son of Sam killers. And when they go through it, you see that many people, the eyewitnesses, uh, describe somebody radically different than David Berkowitz. And the reason that I bring it up is because what ultimately happened was the New York City police, all of the authorities refused to reopen the investigation and go after anybody else, even with overwhelming evidence that there were other people involved in this, and maybe some powerful people too, that were involved in this satanic cult. And the reason they wouldn't go after it is because they celebrated so much about the arrest of David Berkowitz, and they were hoisted on the shoulders of the citizens who, after I think it, was, it took them a year to wrap up this case, uh, many of them got promoted on their work of the Son of Sam, they didn't want to unwind this incredible record that they thought they had achieved on this. So with all this evidence given to them saying, hey, some of the killers are still out there, they refused to investigate. It refused to investigate. Uh, the reason that I bring this up is because it, it almost doesn't matter what story it is these days. It doesn't matter if it's Russiagate, it doesn't matter if it's Oklahoma City. It doesn't matter if it's Waco. It doesn't matter if it's Vietnam. It, it just, have we been told the truth about anything? John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Vietnam, the crack epidemic of the 1980s, 1990s, Iraq, all of the wars, as a matter of fact, COVID, January 6th. Is there a single event where the media and the authorities that are investigating it to get to the bottom of it. Is there a single big event in the United States where we've been told the truth? I mean, you know, I, I've also talked about it before. 
one of the things that was like this was I found uh, a documentary about the uh, Charles Manson murders. And it sure feels, again, there was one guy who just would not let the story go, and he tracked down a whole bunch of connections between Charles Manson and the CIA. Government psychologists that were experimenting on people with LSD and other mind control drugs. So it just seems to me like it doesn't matter what the story is. Look like at COVID. They're just completely misled about this. I was, I, I was looking at some news story the other day, and they they referenced a, a picture of what was going on during COVID, and I just saw it was one of the the tents and the parking lot and the cars lined up and the people walking around their hazmat suits. You realize that was all theater. The, the disease was 99.9% survivable. At this point, Israel has come out and said they did not have one single healthy person under the age of 50 die of COVID. Not one. And, and the levels of deception, and the, the reason I bring up Sons of Sam is, is because, you know, this was just one event and, you know, within the, the history of the world, a relatively small event. It doesn't even matter the size of the event. We are just flat out gaslit and given a narrative and run with it. I have operated for the past, what, 30 years under the impression that David Berkowitz was the son of Sam Killer that he was some freak, some mental defect that was just walking around murdering people. Turns out he did commit some of the murders, but not all of them. It's a much bigger thing than that. And the police knew it. They just didn't want to screw up all their fancy new promotions to actually come out and investigate uh, the rest of it. Quite amazing. you know, th This country of ours with our free press and all doesn't really seem that way, does it? Uh, I saw a quote here kind of dovetailing on this. Uh, actually, John sent this to me. I appreciate it, John. It was a tweet put out by Jesse Kelly. He's kind of a conservative commentator. I've, I've used some of his stuff before. He said some interesting things. I don't have a big problem with Jesse Kelly, but he, he tweeted this out. Nobody in the GOP is ever going to lay eyes on that form they subpoenaed from the FBI. When you understand the FBI is now a secret state police agency designed to protect Democrats and crush opposition, you understand that doc. Uh, you understand that doc will simply be destroyed. Now this is referencing, you know, whistleblowers in the the FBI. Uh, everything from January sixth, they're not providing information on that. They're not providing information on Joe Biden's corruption while he was vice president, which has continued up to and including today. But what got me, the one word in this tweet that I think is just drives me crazy about conservatives is the word now. Jesse Kelly says, when you understand the FBI is now a secret state police agency uh, designed to protect Democrats and crush opposition. Uh, no. The FBI has always been a secret police agency. They have sought, they are praetorian guards at the highest levels. Now look. I, I guess I just have to say this. I've, I've known FBI agents like them, and they go out and they investigate some great crimes. I, I'm, I'm saying states could do their own crimes. We don't need a national police force, a huge bureaucracy of national police. But they've done some good investigations. But the idea that conservatives have that the FBI just, has just now become corrupted. 
Uh, they They were stalwarts of law and order and truth and justice up until the Trump administration, and then suddenly... I guess the supposition is that Barack Obama, all by himself, corrupted the FBI and turned them into this secret state police. No, 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 no. This agency has been involved in these kinds of things since inception. There has been massive corruption at the top of the FBI, along with J. Edgar Hoover, who was the, he's the OG. And so... I don't have a problem with Jesse Kelly putting out this tweet, but I sure wish he would have left out the now. I wish conservatives would understand because this idea that, well, if we just kick out Christopher Wray, but we leave this giant secret police intact and with some air quotes here in the studio reforms, we'll be able to fix it. That's hopium. And that's ignoring all history. And when it comes to the law and order stuff, I wanted to quickly touch on this. For the law and order crowd, uh, are you now a felon? I, I am assuming the law and order crowd has fully complied with the ATF's new rule on pistol braces, right? Now, remember the motto of the law and order crowd. Say it with me. Quote, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Now, I've made fun of this. Constantly, because the idea of the law and order crowd, which is fine, I don't want want chaos in the streets. If you are hurting somebody else or ripping somebody else off, then there's a cage for you. And as a libertarian, I'm absolutely fine with predators being taken off the streets. But the idea has always been, if there's a law, you must obey the law. That's what good citizens do. Tens of millions of Americans have not registered their guns in the last 120 days during Biden's grace period. (laughs) How sweet of him. At midnight, this was a few days ago, they became federal felons for legal weapons as citizens who went through the proper channels to responsibly buy firearms for their defense. This is the pistol brace rule. I think, I think the number I had seen was 40 million Americans are at risk of being overnight felons because the ATF came out with this new rule. So my question is, is this a moral law? Do you not have an obligation to break this law? You're being infringed on. I think this is a pretty, pretty easy to see definition of infringement on your Second Amendment. Uh, you're all felons now. Did you turn in your weapons? Did you turn in your pistol braces? Did you modify it? I mean, did you jump through the hoops? Because this is my point about laws. You can chant about how everybody needs to obey the law. Uh, Stephen Crowder, I did a quote from him the other day where he basically said, I'm paraphrasing here, he said, uh, if you break the law, you, you're not being peaceful. Well, this is a, a law. And 40 million Americans, I would imagine a vast majority of them, conservative law abiders, are suddenly felons. Because like everything else, the government comes up with an arbitrary rule and then imposes it on you. This is not the first time either. This is not new. Many of the laws that are on the books are not moral. They're not ethical. They're just a bunch of politicians getting together and telling you what you can and cannot do. That should be resistance. A shotgun in my hands Behind the gun, I'll make my final stand. Yeah, 
Since I did a show, the last week's shows, I had to record a week in advance, so I've really been kind of on the bench for a couple of weeks. I'm catching up on a little, uh, couple of things, but I can't let it be unaddressed. So we got through the debt ceiling. What a shocker. What a shocker. It's the, what, 79th time they've done this, and every time they they roll out the political theater, I don't have my, my theme music ready, but they, they get us all worked up, get everybody screaming at each other. It's the Republicans' fault. It's the Democrats' fault. They're always going to pass these things. Uh, And I'm so glad that people have put so much time and effort and money and faith into the Republican Party. Thank God they are there to save us from financial doom. Uh, Because, of course, once again, they did nothing but make the situation worse. They did absolutely nothing. Well, they did get rid of the debt ceiling entirely. They're going to readdress it. Notice the timing in January, I believe, of 2025, after the next presidential election. Until then, it's Katie bar the door. <laughs> There's no debt limit whatsoever. Now, the Republicans, under the charge of Kevin McCarthy, you remember Kevin McCarthy, right? The guy that Donald Trump endorses? He did make sure that they did increase the military's budget again. And, of course, Democrats are fine with that because they're bloodthirsty warmongers along with the establishment Republican Party. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. And, and you know, I, I, the Marjorie Taylor Greene, she was the one that was a big Kevin McCarthy fan, and she's, she's continued to stick with him. Now we'll see if the House Freedom Caucus, if they'd move to vacate the chair, because Kevin McCarthy just committed a financial crime against uh, everybody living now and future generations of Americans yet again. He's one of the slimiest politician creatures in the GOP. And once again, he sold the entire country out, especially Republican voters. And then he went on the media to tell you how great this deal was. He was on Fox News telling you, now I did hear this. I've not yet really confirmed this, but I did hear this. And it, 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 you know, one of my big things was, you remember one of the Republican promises, if you put them in charge, the first thing they were going to do is get rid of all those new IRS agents, right? Well, they did. In this debt deal, from what I understand, they did cut the 87,000 new IRS agents. They cut them down to 85,200 new IRS agents. <laughs> now, I, as I say, I, this is unconfirmed, but they've done nothing about this situation. I'm sure the agency is fully, fully, fully funded. There may have been some notion of maybe $10 billion taken. I, I can't remember what it was, but trust me. Kevin McCarthy and the Republican Party just sold you out again. And it's, it's, and, and I'm the weirdo. I'm the weirdo uh, for being out there looking at third parties like the Libertarian Party or just not playing the two-party game. For some reason, I'm the problem. Uh, Kevin McCarthy also tweeted this out. Within a, uh, maybe a day after this, a day or two days after it passed the House, here's what Kevin McCarthy tweeted out. Just learned kids were interrupted while singing our national anthem at the Capitol. Unacceptable. Though these children were welcomed by my office because your your Capitol is back open, particularly for school groups, and I look forward to having them back to perform in the halls of Congress. You know, you know how I interpret that is Kevin McCarthy thinks you're an idiot. 
Kevin McCarthy thinks he can go in and bankrupt the United States. You won't pay any attention. He'll just cling to some kind of fervor for patriotism. Now, what happened with the kids was ridiculous, but <laughs> what Kevin McCarthy did is a crime against humanity. And he tries to wrap himself in the flag, grab onto this issue of the kids not being able to sing the national anthem. And I looked through the comments. I was just curious. Did anybody say, hey, Kevin, you're, you're bankrupting the greatest nation on earth. Maybe pay attention to that. And what I found was even worse than that, really. I mean, the, the people fighting with each other in here. One, one guy said there's a policy for these activities. If they didn't get prior permission, then take, you've got to take a step back. Simple as that. And then somebody says, and you know the policy? <laughs> you see, they get people bickering on Twitter because Kevin McCarthy's trying to wrap himself in a bunch of patriotic kids to deflect from the fact of what he has just done. What was even worse than that was even worse than that. I mean, this has got, it's got, I don't know who the hell's following Kevin McCarthy on Twitter. It appears to be, you know, lefties and righties. I'm sure the Kevin McCarthy Twitter feed is full of normies or little people arguing amongst themselves. And that's what Kevin McCarthy wants. That's what everybody in office wants. They want all you little people screaming at each other in the streets so you don't notice that he just handed another couple of $10 billion to the military-industrial complex that he support walks around in a Ukraine flag but tells you he wants to cut spending. He doesn't want you paying attention to any of that stuff. He wants you to be fighting about the kids singing in the Capitol. But there's a woman here. She sounds like she's a... White collar crime at Perkins Cole. She was in the Reagan White House. She calls herself a Christian. She says, were children given the proper clearance to sing in the Capitol? That is something that can very quickly be... <laughs> it, everybody wants to follow the rules. Uh, did they get the proper permits to sing in the United States? Did they get the permits they needed to sing in the United States? Because our federal government is in charge of where and when you can sing now. And this is a Republican from the Reagan White House, a criminal, I guess, a criminal defense attorney for white collar crime. This is where people from the White Houses go. They go and protect the criminal class, the donor, the criminal donor class. When they leave, they go to the big Tony law firms. That's what Christopher Ray did before he went to the FBI. He was, he was defending white collar uh, corporate crime. But this woman wants to make sure that the all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed to make sure that the you gotta you gotta comply. As the capital <laughs> You gotta have a permit in the United States to sing now. What a free country. We might need to think about changing some of the words to the national anthem in the first place. I'll be right back. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go, I'm watching you, turn your back like you always do, face away and pretend that I'm not, but I'll be here because you're all that I got. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me. So Kevin McCarthy and the Republican Party along with in the House, along with the Democrats and the rest of these freaks in Washington, D.C., they've, they've abolished the, the debt ceiling altogether for right now. 
People are saying this will add four to six trillion dollars within the next couple of years. Uh, that may be being kind at this point. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe not that this news came out soon after they got rid of the debt ceiling entirely. Um, the government announced last week it's working on a way to quote help struggling homeowners meet their mortgage obligations. The program comes from the FHA who posted a proposal for feedback on an initiative called, quote, the Payment Supplement Partial Claim, unquote, which, as the government's press release says, quote, would allow mortgage servicers to use the FHA partial claim both to bring a homeowner's uh, mortgage current and to provide temporary reductions to their monthly mortgage payments for up to five years. The department is citing high interest rates as a reason for implementing the program, stating, quote, the rapid and steep interest rate increases of the past year have limited the effectiveness of some FHA existing loss mitigation options in assisting borrowers. Of course, it was the interest rate hikes that were in response to the inflation because the government spends too much money. So the FHA, in their infinite wisdom, is now proposing a new program where they'll spend more money, which will further stoke inflation. And also, the sickness of this is, this, this is a bailout of people who get behind on their mortgages. Uh, the latest statistic I've seen, 62% of people who bought homes in, uh, I think it was 21 and 22, are already having some stress uh, making their mortgage payments because the cost of the house, even even when they have the small lower interest rates, the cost of the house had gone up so much because of the formerly low interest rates. Even at the lower interest rates, they're having trouble. It's it's creating stress to try to make their mortgage payments. So it, it's just, what are we doing here? Um, if they are successful in putting this homeowner bailout thing and we we all know right now that home affordability it's i think it's historically the worst it's ever been when you look at someone's the the average income to the average cost of a house at this point not even mentioning the high interest rates but just the portion of your income that you have to dedicate to it's it's the worst time ever uh, you know what solves that well if a bunch of houses come on the market because natural forces take over and people lose homes or have to sell homes because they can't afford them, put them back on the market. That's what tends to stabilize. This is the FHA wanting to uh, subsidize with taxpayer dollars people who bought too much house or, in sad cases, had a reversal of fortune. They can't afford the house. That's life on planet Earth. The FHA wants to prop them up, up which means that they will keep housing supply off of the market and continue the unaffordability crisis. You know, I, I, I just find myself, I've got to ask again, what won't you pay for with your taxes? <laughs> Is there any red line? We talk a lot about you know, foreign leaders' red lines. Does the American taxpayer seriously not have any red lines? I mean, abortion, we're paying for uh, the ramp up to World War III right now. We're, we're actually funding. Kevin McCarthy just gave more money to the military-industrial complex, the warfare state, so that they could take us to World War III. We're sending billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine to start potential nuclear war. We fund big pharma. We fund welfare, both personal and corporate. And now this. They're just going to start bailing out homeowners who are having a difficult time affording their mortgage, which is, as I said, 
In recent polls, like 62% of people, if they have an FHA mortgage, the government's going to ride to the rescue and it's going to continue to keep the housing uh, market inflated. Is, is there, are there any red lines with American taxpayers where you just say, I've had it, I'm not doing it anymore? No. No, for the vast majority of people, there are not. They still believe it's your patriotic duty to pay your taxes, and we just need to trust our overlords that they'll do well with it. I wanted to comment on this real quick. Um, conservative uh, boycott movement continues to, to gather steam, I guess. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I like uh, I like voting with your wallets. I think that's a, I think we should do that with our governments, and we should close our wallets to them. See, this is uh, seems like a, a peaceful way to do it. This is why I take on the the fair tax and the flat tax people and say, well, why do you want to be house slaves? We should be trying to starve this government, not find easier ways to get them their cash. But I, I liked the you know the the prison pounding that Bud Light took. Now, it is a bit overblown in what Bud Light had actually done. Some nut job marketing person thought this was an influence. I mean, it wasn't like this grand scheme. But I don't let Bud Light off the hook. I think it was a, a good precedent to set for people to say, look, we've just had enough of this. If you're going to participate in it, we're not going to buy your product. And you've hurt Bud Light. That's fantastic. I was also with the conservatives on Target. And, and the reason Target became a, a, a Target was because they were pushing some of the transgender, sexualizing children in the children's section. That's great. But what I saw a lot of people say uh, was, look, you can go be whoever you want to be, but you can't come after the children. And then I saw a, a, a new uh, boycott of PetSmart. People calling for a, a boycott of PetSmart because they have pride clothing for dogs. <laughs> Now, that's not targeting children. Now, you, you may find it distasteful, but, but the idea that, it, you know, if there's a rainbow flag anywhere, first of all, that's, that's, unaffor- that's un- if, uh, ineffective. You're going you're gonna to end up diluting the entire movement and end up just exhausting people, and it's going to be over just like that. Now, I don't know if conservatives are afraid that they might be pushing transgenderism on puppies. (laughs) Maybe that's the case. But maybe take a step back. Chick-fil-A was another one. Chick-fil-A, people have gone after Chick-fil-A, but there's nothing new there. Apparently, they've had a director of equity and inclusion, which, of course, I don't like either. Feel, feel free how you want to feel about them. But it, it, it's interesting. I think they've had these, this office at Chick-fil-A for two years now. There's been all kinds of virtue signaling coming from the head office of Chick-fil-A for years and years and years. But it's just one of these, it's like a mania taking over. Keep your powder dry. Target the right people. Be effective in it, but not this scattershot of everybody trying to find a new target that, you know, I mean, pet smart, come on, people. If somebody wants to put a pride flag on their dog, they're not hurting anybody. You may not like it. I think it's dumb. But seriously, is that where we've gone? Uh, I wanted to play this, too. I don't know. I probably won't have time to get into it today. You know, it's really only it's been since the last time I recorded a show that Ron DeSantis has formally announced he's in the race. And I certainly have things to say about that. Uh, One of the things DeSantis is kind of running his campaign on is wokeness. He gave a very disappointing answer when somebody asked him something about the Ukraine war. And he said, uh, basically, 
He shifted the conversation to the wokeness of the military. Now, I don't like the wokeness of the military, but I will say that World War III is more important than the wokeness in the military, if you can even believe that. So it's very disappointing. But uh, this fight against wokeness is diverting people away from some fairly big issues. And I wanted to play this clip from Marco Rubio. This little spawn of the evil seed of John McCain and Lindsey Graham, Marco Rubio. Listen to what he says here. And then even worse, listen to the crowd's reaction. And our job, honestly, the most important job I will have if we get reelected, well, we got to do real things here, okay? But we need to focus the federal government on what matters. I don't, we don't need a military focused on the proper use of pronouns. We need a military focused on blowing up Chinese aircraft carriers. Okay? Oh, my gosh. He's used, you know, we don't need to be paying attention to pronouns in the U.S. military. We need to be focusing on blowing up Chinese aircraft carriers. And the crowd goes wild. See how they conflate these issues? He can get you on his side to talk about the ridiculousness of this woke military push. I, I'm with you. It's ridiculous. But once he sweeps you up with that and gets you on his side then he has you for the idea that really what we should be focusing on is uh, attacking you know, one of the largest militaries on planet Earth. And people cheer for him. I think that's, uh, I don't know, is that NLP? I don't know if that's some strategy or something. But, you know, find that hook to get into people and then usher in this other thing that if you just said it by itself, if he just went out and said, I think we need to start blowing up Chinese aircraft carriers. I'm not sure this crowd might have actually cheered. Anybody whose soul is so dirty and dark that they would attend a Marco Rubio event in the first place is probably a bloodthirsty creature uh, from the, the, the netherworlds. But I, I doubt very seriously, maybe, uh, that he would have gotten the cheer if he'd just come out and, and left the woke part out and just said, yeah, we need a military that's ready to go out and start blowing up Chinese stuff. People might have gone, wait, what? Uh that, that that could cause some problems here. We're already dealing with uh, with Biden's march towards World War III. Now, you want to start another one with another major? I mean, you know, maybe. Do you understand what I'm saying? Beware of the wokeness as the hook that brings you in to other horrible, horrible ideas. Just because somebody is on the side of fighting woke doesn't mean the rest of everything that they think is a good idea or that they're some kind of a leader. The woke stuff is, it's easy. It's low-hanging fruit. It's ridiculous. At the same time, it is, it's being used with conservatives as a hook to bring in other ideas, to get you on their side. Do not fall for it. Be right back. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one schizophrenic psycho yeah maybe i'm the one maybe i'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho all right i'm gonna finish today's show on a very positive note uh it also has a good libertarian point to it the shows go by so fast a single hour for me <laughs> two hours a week uh, is is mentally tough, but I, I definitely wanted to make sure I got this story in here. Uh, I'm not from uh, know if you're familiar with somebody named King Randall. 
This is an organization called, let me find it here, uh, the X for Boys. I believe this is in Georgia. Uh, the guy who refers to himself by King Randall, uh, he's a young black guy. He's got to be in his 20s. And I've seen things about him before. I don't think I've ever talked about it, but I ran across a tweet from him that I thought was just absolutely amazing. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about who he is. Uh, this was the tweet I saw. He, he tweeted this out. He said, uh, this is the mother of one of our students. Charlie enrolled in life prep, and his mom handed me a bag of medicine with gigantic pills for him to take so he could, quote, focus and, quote, ADHD. As King Randall goes on to say, I gave them to him once, and I did not like what I saw. I called her and told her that I was not giving him the meds anymore, and he would be fine. Now, I want you to listen to this response from the mother who entrusted her child to King Randall in this academy for boys to make men out of young black boys. This mom said, no, thank you. You are really a positive influence on these young men's life. God has truly put you in an amazing, uh, put an amazing call on your life. Regardless of what anybody say or try to do, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Charlie have changed for the better. He no longer take any of his medications. They said he needed the medication to stay focused. You proved he can sit down and get his lessons without medication. Your motivation encouraged me to homeschool, homeschool my other kids. My 16-year-old did so good, she started Albany Tech Thursday taking early childhood and education. Now, first of all, I absolutely love this story because this is a guy who cared enough about a kid to see through this forced medication of our children. And I'm going to tell you, the last thing I had heard was that uh, some of these poor families that are on uh, social benefits, on welfare... They actually get more per month if their children are diagnosed with one of these things like attention deficit disorder. I think it was something like $400 a month. That, that Don't hold me to that. That may, that may be wrong. But Big Pharma has such a hold on our government that our government sets a policy where we actually pay families more if they medicate their children for whatever. So if families are incentivized, you've got four kids. If you can get them all four diagnosed with ADHD and get them put on a big pharma med, you get an extra $1,600 a month from the taxpayer. Again, that those numbers may be a little squishy, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But this guy cared enough to say, look, I'm not giving him these medications. We've got him in a, in a, we've got him in a program that will actually retain his focus because it will engage with this child. But I do encourage you to go look at this guy's organization. Now, I don't know everything about him. But the reason I bring it up, too, from a libertarian perspective is because too many people believe, particularly on the left, but even the right is guilty of this, too, is that uh, if we don't have the government address the issue, uh, then it's just going to go off the rails, right? We need the government to do something about homelessness. We need the government to do something about this. We need the government to do something about that. They need to set up something to, to tackle this problem. It never works. It always creates more of the problem it was set up to address. We have 100 years of history to show this. Uh, so this young 20-something black guy sets up this academy for kids. Here are his pillars here, honor, high respect and great esteem, discipline, tra train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way, commitment, the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, etc., courage, the strength in the face of pain or grief, accountability and obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions, and consistency. The act to do in the same way over time, especially uh, so as to be fair or accurate. 
And so this is a young black man who just saw what was happening to kids that were slipping through the cracks. Our education systems failed them. Our social welfare system has failed them. Our culture has failed them. And he decided to do something about it by himself. He raises money. The website is called the, uh, thexforboys.org. And you can go check this out. You might want to send him a few bucks. He's a 501c3. He's just a charitable organization. And when you see the pictures of these kids, they're out learning trades. He's teaching them how to work on cars. He's teaching, uh, I believe he takes them out and teaches them some, you know, like wilderness skills. And it's all these young black men who are being formed. And you can go see interviews with some of the students here. You don't need the government. We need people who actually care and will get off their butts and do something about these kinds of situations. And this guy in particular he, he rescued a child from a lifetime of medications that were doing nothing but destroying this kid mentally, these ADHD medications. For any of you out there say, yeah, I'm sure they're overprescribed, but, but my Johnny really, you don't understand, Mike, my Johnny just, you've been giving your Johnny a six-pack of Mountain Dew a day and some Lunchables for lunch. You don't understand why he can't sit still in the afternoon in his class? The medication is a story unto itself, but we do not need the government to address these things. Uh, King Randall is proving it uh, right there. It's a great story in a whole host of different ways. So I'm finishing on a positive note. I'll see everybody tomorrow. Uh, bye bye. Me and my 